Heavenly Father, we come before you this evening knowing that you know everything about us. You know our hearts. You know our thoughts. You've searched us. And you know us. You know our downsittings, Father. You know our uprisings. Even before we think thoughts, even before they come into our minds, you know them all together. And we pray that you'd search us and see if there's anything in us that is displeasing to you so that we might bring our lives in conformity to you. We are all weak, we are all sinful, and we all depend on your mercy and how we love your mercy and your grace. Your mercies are new every single morning and we need them. And so calm our hearts before you tonight as we share, as we show a little video, as we talk about the past and the future. May we rejoice in all that you have done as well as all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we sang a great song today that Dave let us in. I love your grace. I love your mercy. And uh, I'm glad they had the words. I was just thinking, oh, we don't need the words. We'll just... Uh, sometimes you look at the words so long that you forget the song. You couldn't sing it if you were outside the church if somebody paid you. So uh, you remember the days when we just had to memorize songs and sing them? But they quickly got on it and they found the words for us. So just in case you don't know them, uh, we're going to put them up. And that's fine. It's I love your grace. I love your mercy. I gotta, it's, been, it's been a while, so I've got to kind of figure this out here. I love your grace, I love your mercy. Everybody now. Love the way you help me when I call. I love your truth, I love the power of your name. But you know I love your presence most of all. Put your hands together now. I love your grace, I love your mercy. Love the way you help me when I call. I love your truth, I love the power of your name. But you know I love your presence most of all. takes refuge in the shadow of your wings close to you is where I want to be you are my strength you are my God you are my king what I want is what you want from me I love you I love your mercy Love the way you help me when I call I love your truth I love the power of your name But you know I love your presence most of all My soul takes refuge in the shadow of your wings. Close to you is where I want to be. 
waited for the Lord on high. It's sort of an old one, but then I'm sort of an old guy. And uh, how many of you remember that? I waited for the Lord on high. Okay, great. If you know the song, it's your job to sing louder than all the people who don't know the song. You say, oh, but I don't have a great voice. That's okay. You know, somebody once told me if you have a great voice, then worship God with it. If you, If God gave you a bad voice, then give it back to him. The Lord loves a joyful noise, a loud noise. And you know what? No matter how you can sing, you can all make a noise. So let's do that. Again, I need some drums. That's it. Everybody, I waited for the Lord on high. I waited and he heard my cry. He pulled me out of my despair and showed me where to walk from fear into security. From quicksand to rock, I waited for the Lord on high. I waited and He heard my cry. There's a new song in my heart to Let the people know that I have been restored. And they will hear and understand to return and trust in the Lord. I waited for the Lord on high. I waited and he heard my I wait. 
When we started our little Bible study in um, Albuquerque, New Mexico, we started with four people. And uh, it was myself, my wife, uh, my dearest friend, Kent, who's sitting in the front row, um, and one visitor. And that was the last time we saw him, the visitor. He came one night and decided never to come back again. So we were off to a run and start. And it was very simple. We met in an apartment complex meeting room. And um, we just started teaching through the Gospel of John. I said, the message for my sermon tonight is John chapter 1. And the message title for next week will be John chapter 2. That's all I knew. That's what, what I was modeled from my pastor, Chuck. And uh, so we did that until we got through uh, toward the end of the Gospel of John and the meeting room was too small. It sat about 75 and we had about 125 that were wanting to come. So they were sitting through the hallways and out the back. And I was working at a hospital. My background is in radiology and uh, I would study. I was newly married. I married my wife and uh, we moved to New Mexico about a week later. So our honeymoon was like the Beverly Hillbillies in reverse going out to New Mexico. But the basis of everything has to be not what I want or what I feel or what my perceived felt need is, but what God's Word says. If we build ministry around felt needs, we're going to fight a losing battle because you'll always discover more needs once those felt needs are felt and touched. And so God knows what we need better than we know what we need. And He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. That's what Peter tells us in his second letter, the first chapter. And you know Psalm 1, blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord, meditates on a day and night, and what he will be like, a tree planted by the rivers of water, giving life, growth, vibrance. And so this song is about that. I don't know if you all know it, but it's, I will delight in the law of the Lord, I will meditate day and night. I will delight in 
Once again, we're so grateful to be present here as brothers and sisters, spiritual families together, merged as one. Lord, you are our Father, our Heavenly Father, and we look to you for direction and thank you for a time when we can talk about the past but also let go of it. We thank you for the history both of this church as well as Albuquerque. And Lord, we honor what you've done in the past, but we don't want to embalm the past. We want to move on rather than be buried. And so use us, Lord, in a new and a powerful way here in South Orange County to do what you have always desired to do in this generation. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to spend a few moments and... Uh, and share with you something out of the Word, if you wouldn't mind. And then I'm going to show you a little clip. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I've made this my life verse. Paul writes, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in His presence. When I first read that, I smiled so big. I thought, it just described me. The foolish things of this world. So I read it and I thought, there's hope. I can be used by God. In fact, I discovered that God isn't looking for the mighty, the powerful, the brilliant. He's just looking not for ability as much as availability. And like Isaiah, here I am, Lord, send me. That was my cry. That was my heart's plea. God's deliberate choice is for the foolish things. And here's why. Because if God chose the mighty and the powerful and the super wealthy, not that God can't use any of that, you could always look back and say, oh, no wonder it succeeded. He's so brilliant. She's so mighty. They're, they're so powerful. But rather, you look at a guy who was an ex-surfer from Huntington Beach going to New Mexico to see what God has done. Everybody who has seen it walks away going, it has to be the Lord. Because we know Skip, and it has to be the Lord. 
Very much like Peter's reaction when there was that great catch of fish after the resurrection. And they recognized, it's the Lord. It has to be the Lord because only He can pull that off. Um, you're about to celebrate next week your 25th anniversary. It's exciting. We, they, hard to know which to put myself in at this point in transition, back in New Mexico, are celebrating their 22nd year in ministry. So sort of about the same age. In 1981, my wife and I got married, and we moved, as I said, to New Mexico, and around 1982 is when the church really began to start. It's exciting for the Lord to move in, 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 in the life of a person, a group. I was the other night at dinner with Homer and Marie, the founding pastors and his wife of this church, just talking about the past and then the future. It's always exciting when God starts to work. The thing is, you never want to presume upon the Lord and say, well, God is going to work only in this way. God's God. He can do whatever He wants. The minute you start holding on to something and saying, oh, no, God's got to work this way because He's always worked this way, you're toast. You're, you'll be left in the dust. God is all about a new thing. We're not. We love to hold on. And one of the things the Lord showed me is that in this 14,000-member church in New Mexico, it's not mine. It's His. Be willing to let go of it and see a new thing happen. When I was living in Huntington Beach, I'm going to tell you about a little prayer that I had before God. I was walking on the beach one evening. Lenya May Farley was coming back into my life. There was this opportunity, this idea of going to a new place to start a church. And I took a walk on the beach and I saw the waves that balmy evening, and I thought, Lord, I really love it right here. In my flesh, I don't want to change. I don't want to go anywhere. This is the place to be. But if you want me to, I'm available. And that's all I had to pray because God took me at my word and told me to go somewhere. And we didn't know quite what the Lord was going to do. It really amazed us. Honestly, we didn't come with a plan or a strategy. We didn't come with a, uh, a project. We didn't come with people funding us. We just came. And I'll never forget something, a conversation I had with Dr. Bill Bright and Chuck Smith. We were in a meeting, and Bill said something to Chuck. It was very interesting. He said, Chuck... There's no other church that I know of or group that has started so many churches around the world in such a short time as Calvary Chapel. He says, I have a burden for Russia. And I believe that God's going to plant a million churches in Russia in a certain length of time. You know, Bill always was a great visionary and had this huge number and this huge dream and vision. It was wonderful to see him. And few of us... Chuck Smith, Greg Laurie, Raul Reese, myself, Mike McNish, we're all around watching this conversation. And Bill Bright charged Chuck with the 
mantle of raising up a million churches in Russia. And Chuck was so sweet, he smiled and he said, Well, you know, Bill, uh, I believe... Basically, he said, I believe we can never limit God. And Bill, I would hate to say the Lord wants to raise up a million churches in Russia when in fact He wants to raise up maybe 10 million churches in Russia. Why set the cap? Why set the limit? So I'm not good at budgeting and saying we'll do a million by a certain year. Let's just see what the Lord will do. And so that was our attitude. Let's watch. And honestly, we felt like bystanders watching what the Lord would do. I'm going to run a little video clip, and then I'll talk a little bit more. I want my wife to share a little bit, a couple guys up front, and then we're going to break up in prayer, just so you can understand where we've come from, what the vision was. And you're going to see some stuff in here. Let me just bring you up to speed on. When you see radio stations and stuff like that, it's because as the Lord began to bless, we purchased a radio station that covered about a half of the state of New Mexico. And then another radio station was given to us, that covered the entire state of New Mexico, part of Colorado, part of Texas, and into Arizona, a satellite network. It was given to us. So one was a complete youth network filled with really edgy youth music and then a teaching station. And uh, so you, you'll see that, and if you wonder, where does that fit in? That uh, now belongs to the church out there that uh, God has given to Albuquerque. So we'll show the video. Uh, so, Norm, you can roll it and then we'll proceed onward. that 20 years ago, Skip and Lenya left the warmth and comfort of Southern California to boldly move where no Calvary Chapel had gone before. The rest is, shall we say, our history. Skip left Southern California as the Jesus movement was cresting to its high watermark. Calvary Chapel had revolutionized the landscape. This is a bigger work than I thought ever would happen in a in a smaller community like Albuquerque. And you know the Bible says God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And um, I've set off, and that's my life verse. And uh, I, I just, uh, I'm honored. I'm really humbled that God would use somebody of the likes of me to do such a, an enormous thing. You know, it's amazing to come back here and realize that it all started right here. The Bible study in the Lakes Apartments, we began in the summertime of 1981, shortly after my wife and I were married. We came here and uh, Kent Bagdazar had an apartment right behind me on the second floor. 
we were able to secure this little clubhouse. When we first saw it, we thought, this is huge. This will accommodate lots of people. This is the Far North Cinema Theater here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, behind me, where we met for our first Sunday morning services. And of course, we were rated G, general admittance, any, anybody could come. We're at 1660 Eubank, Northeast in Albuquerque, and this was our second meeting place, really. Uh, our first permanent facility, when we really thought we had a building, this was the place. Then we began to grow again, and we had to rip down a wall and expand the seating capacity from about 350 to almost 500 seats, or 550 seats, and we thought, man, we're cooking now. We were looking for a building when we were in, um, right down the street, at uh, the first building that we had at 1660 Eubank. We had outgrown the facility, and the people who were our neighbors complained because we used all of their parking uh, for our church services on Sunday. Even though they didn't have much business on Sunday, we were using their parking, and it was getting kind of tough. People on both sides of the street and on both sides of us on the same side of the street were all having the same complaint. We knew we needed to move. We looked and looked, and Right down the street was this building that was vacant. And when we saw it, we thought, bingo, that's it. This will be the perfect place. And of course now, as you can see, it actually is a bingo parlor, but that's not what we intended. We met for three years here, and that was our main sanctuary. This place inside, believe it or not, could sit close to 900 bodies, adult bodies at one time. We were at a very strategic crossroads in our old building. And here, here was the crossroads. Basically, we rented a space, the guy wanted more money, and was about to take us to court because I wasn't about to pay what he was asking, what he was demanding. And uh, in the midst of that, this building came available. And we looked at it, and it seemed so huge, just overwhelming. In fact, my board walked with me through this building, and they just said, it'll never work. It's way too big. It's out of our price range. It's out of what we'd ever use it for. We should cut it in half and give half the church, half it to another church because there's no way we'd occupy even half of this probably for a long time. Yet when I walked in it, I did see things. And in my own imagination, I saw, oh, we could put a platform here, a stage here. We could put a foyer there. We could seat it this way. And I started putting the pieces together, and a few others said, yeah, I think we, we see that as well. This is how the property at 4001 Osuna looked when Calvary Chapel first began to meet at this location. As you can see, a great deal has changed, and the work continues. Among the projects recently completed are a new kids' play area, along with a remodeled mini-chapel for Children's Church, and a new wave look for the whole department. Meanwhile, other recent changes to the Calvary campus are being put to good use. For example, the Calvary Skate Park has been successful both as a recreational area and as an outreach tool. Skating to respond to a salvation message might be unusual, but it worked at this M88 radio skate date with the Circa Skate Team. Now, here's a quick review of some snapshots from 2003 at Calvary. Easter sunrise service at Lobo Stadium this year was the largest ever in New Mexico. 
Other events that enjoyed huge turnouts included the 4th of July baptism at the Beach Water Park, the annual M88 Labor Day concerts at Cliffs Amusement Park. Response to Operation Christmas Child resulted in collecting over 16,000 boxes this year and two sold-out showings of the premiere of Worldwide Pictures film Last Flight Out that took place in September. Other interesting areas of growth were an international audience via the web for Line Online, the midweek Bible study at Calvary, and a new transmitter for KNKT Radio, which resulted in a 20% growth in ratings, which moved KNKT up significantly in the Albuquerque radio rankings. At M88, new translators have been filed for El Paso, Texas, and the Taos, New Mexico area. New construction that is nearly complete will mean a new outside amphitheater, a baptism fountain, 10,000 square foot bookstore, cafe, and a greatly expanded foyer and entrance. One of the things that comes to my mind is the Billy Graham crusade. He's come here a couple of times before, but what made this last visit a highlight is that I asked Franklin Graham to come and, and have a crusade. Franklin, you come here, you do this. God has raised you up to do it. So we were moving along those lines, making those kinds of plans, and then one afternoon Franklin called me, and he said, um, Skip, my dad just called me, except he says, Daddy, Daddy just called me, which was historic. It was the first time they shared a crusade ever before. Another highlight that comes to my mind are all the people that were on staff here or in our church who left to start other ministries. Uh, either they were saved here and or they grew here or they were here for a while and they went out and they started their own ministry and I've spoken to several the past couple weeks. God is blessing their ministry, their churches. What's happened here is reproduced in other cities. So to me, that's awfully exciting. It's another massive block of music. 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 On KLYT, Albuquerque, Gallup, Ruidoso, Massive Radio, M88. M88. KNKT, Armino, Albuquerque. 
This is The Connection. 107.1 FM. FM. Make the connection at the foot of the cross. Study the Word of God. And I think that's the key, maybe, to being a good pastor, a good servant, a good leader, is just really letting God be glorified. He has work he wants to do, and he would love collaborators. He'd love us to come alongside and do the work with him and, and uh, let him work in and through us, and then uh, we can stand back and be amazed. Maybe I'm amazed at the way you love me all the time. Maybe I'm amazed at the way I love you. teacher who pours his life in hours week after week into crafting messages that he hopes will stick and convict the hearers and bring spiritual growth to see Christians growing applying uh, that to their marriages to their businesses to their relationship with God and others uh, to then go out to the mission field or start a church or get involved in a ministry or whatever to see spiritual growth is the payoff you need nothing else Lenya, come on up. Thank you. This is my wife, Lenya, of many, many years. I'm going to try not to cry. <laughs> I heard you all saw the crying video. So, so Lenya, what did I leave out? Um, you know what? I, if I can kind of come alongside... Um, Skip had said, I wanted you to say something, and generally it's not my preference to do that. And so, oh, okay, whatever, I'll just come in and fill in something that you've missed. But this morning in my quiet time before church, I was praying and, and meditating on things, and I had no idea what Skip was going to share and to do. And so um, I've been going through this book uh, Warren Worsby has on being a servant of God. And some of the things he wrote, if you'll indulge me just for a second, it, it was what was on my heart this morning. It says, if our motive for serving is any, anything other than the glory of God, what we do will only be religious activity and not true Christian ministry. How do we know when what we're doing is really glorifying God? For one thing, we can't explain what's happening, and often nobody expected it to happen. <laughs> 
Remember my quotation from Bob Cook, if you can explain what's going on, God didn't do it. The working of God isn't always predictable because the wind of the Spirit blows where it wishes. We have to be alert to set our sails in the right direction. It's possible to succeed in Christian work and be a failure in Christian ministry. In whatever man does without God, wrote George MacDonald, he must fail miserably or succeed more miserably, a sobering thought. The psalmist declared, and he gave them their request but sent leanness into their souls. God is glorified when people see the master and not the minister. And um, I guess what I want to testify is the same thing. I, I hope, and it's never been to have the eyes on the minister or on Skip, but on the Lord. And, and I was so glad he shared that scripture that God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise because he wants no flesh to glory in his presence. And so I think that's what I wanted to say is that um, we were shocked that going to Albuquerque was an, a complete and utter venture of faith. And there's no explaining it except it was God. And um, we just happened to be the right people in the right place at the right time with the right motives, and God wanted to do something. And uh, so maybe a segue from the past to the present is challenge for us, a challenge for us. Um, you know, we're, we're all married in the ministry now, and, and we're kind of in that funny, awkward honeymoon stage. But um, I want to see God do it again, and I don't want to be able to explain it. And I, I want to be able to look and say, look what God did in South Orange County. And I know a lot of you have been praying, and it was so neat to meet with um, Homer and Marie, because I think that's what it was like, Annette and Stig, when it was in the home, when it started here. There was no explaining what God was doing when the foundation of this church started. God just wanted to do something, and you guys stood back in amazement, and we were doing the same thing in New Mexico. But I'm ready to ride a next wave, and I'm ready for God to do something for the future with us and with you. And um, so could he just use foolish things? Could he use you and, and me and us and, and do something different and, and exciting? And so I, I, I just want you to know that um, this guy... He's the real thing. What you see up here is the way he is at home. You know, he has a hunger and a thirst for God's word when I met him that was singular and unique like no one I'd ever known. And um, he'll come home on Sunday night after preaching in New Mexico four times and open his Bible and start reading. And, and frankly, I'll go, aren't you just a little tired of that? Can't we watch a video or something? But um, he has a voracious appetite for God's word and a hunger and thirst for his righteousness. And so I'm just praying that um, because he's a shepherd and he loves the bread and the word is living and it's powerful and it's so now and alive and the word of God does the work of God. And um, I just pray that you'll be the best fed sheep in the world because you know what? He's going to be in the Word of God. And if you'll let the Word of God do the work in your life, then I think we'll be able to stand back and say it's God because all we have to do is unleash Him, um, Him, God, Him, His Word in the midst of us and, and let Him do a great new thing. So I don't know. Mine's kind of maybe all was back Good. and forward. And, but anyway, that was my heart. Thank you, Lenny. Thank you.
The Lord uses different people, doesn't he, in our lives? And we look back, and one of the guys that God used in my life to get us away from here and out there was a guy sitting in the front row. He lived in the area, and um, we were ministering at a church up in Torrance together. And um, he had this wild idea to buy a radio station, uh, not any of the stations that we operate out there, but to buy one in New Mexico. And he said, I'm moving to Albuquerque. And I said, why? And he told me about the opportunity, and that put a seed in my heart, and I prayed about it. But uh, since then, Kent only lasted there a few years and uh, moved back to uh, Newport Beach, where he and his family live. And uh, Kent now attends church here. And uh, he's in the front row, and I want to introduce him to you, because Kent used to give announcements for us every week, Paul. And, um, and, and Kent has a very unique way of, of giving them, and, and he'd always tell this little story. And it was great is, you know, a lot of times people give announcements that they go too long. You'd never do, by the way. You always do great, as long as I've seen you. But, uh, and Kent never did either. But the story was always poignant and, and wonderful. But Kent, come on up and, uh, inter and say hi to us. Thanks, Kent. This is Kent Bagdazar, and he has an interesting story. The chipmunks come from your family, don't they? That's right. Uh, the real name Alvin is uh, the chipmunk. Bagdasarian. And, uh, that's so, right. Go ahead. The, uh, all, all three chipmunks. And, uh, and a few of their hit records my cousins used to make. That's all the other side of the family. Okay. They got all the royalties on it. Um, I met Skip, and I'm just thrilled and honored to be here, and I'm thrilled and honored to see you, and I'm thrilled to have Skip and Lenya back in Southern California, because that's where we kind of started with them back in the, uh, actually in the 70s. I met Skip at uh, probably 1977, 78, probably 78, I guess it was, at Calvary Chapel, South Bay, which uh, is uh, in the Torrance area, and, um, and our pastor of that church had met Skip in Israel on a kibbutz and was very impressed with Skip and invited him to come and teach Thursday night. Well, that first Thursday night that Skip taught at that church, uh, we were having a board meeting at the church, and so uh, my buddy Chip Lusco and I said, well, let's go hear the new guy, Skip, tonight. We would not met him yet, but we sat under that first teaching with Skip Heitzig, and we both looked at each other at the end of the study, and we said, this has to be one of the most gifted Bible teachers we've ever heard. And that's what we said probably in 1978, after the very first time we heard Skip teach. From that point, we became close friends. Uh, Chip Lusco, who is on staff in Albuquerque, and our dear friend. And um, and then Skip is correct. Uh, I'm in the broadcasting field, and an opportunity arose to, um, to invest in a station in, in Albuquerque, a Christian station. And I can remember Skip calling me one Sunday afternoon, asking me what I was doing, and said, well, I'm kind of praying about this Albuquerque thing. And then just kind of out of out of the top of my head, I said, well, why don't you come with me and we'll start a Bible study in my apartment. Maybe it'll turn into a church. And I just said that. And, um, and then he said, I will pray about that. And he kind of took me seriously. He goes, I will pray about that. And the next thing I knew, we were off, the two of us uh, made a trip to, to Albuquerque just to kind of check it out to see if I liked the station, to see if the Lord would open a door, because obviously if we were going to move there, Skip would need a job, because um, 
that's the way you know you have to find a job. So anyway, so we went there for the weekend. At the end of the weekend, we both felt really good about it. Uh, Skip had three job offers from hospitals the very first weekend. So we kind of felt that the door was opening and we were flying back and there was one missing element. We kind of decided that we would, that the Lord was probably opening the door for us to go. We were still going to pray more about it. But there was still a missing element and that element was, was Lenya. He goes, well, what about, but, but Lenya, my, my girlfriend? And I, I said to him, I go, Skip, forget it. There's other girls. I mean, there's plenty of girls. Don't worry about it. But then, uh, but then I came to realize that he was really in love with Lenya. And so the next thing I know, that very night that we flew in, he went and asked Lenya for your hand. And, uh, and a couple of months later, the three of us kind of moved out to, uh, to Albuquerque together. We did not know a soul in the entire state. I mean, we didn't know anybody. I mean, you would think you would know somebody there, but we didn't know a soul. So we really just, the three of us kind of moved there with not knowing a soul. And Linnea worked for me at the radio station. Linnea, was I not a great boss? I was a great boss. I mean, on her birthday, I hired a gorilla to come in and sing and dance with her on that. Do we have a video of that gorilla coming in? I wish we, we would have. And, uh, and basically, we started Calvary Chapel, Albuquerque, in my apartment. You saw the video. That was the clubhouse of the, uh, the apartment that I rented. And, uh, and we started Calvary Chapel, Albuquerque, in that little apartment. And I would put a tag at the end of Chuck Smith's program saying there was a Calvary Chapel Bible study. And the first day, yes, you know, there was four people, Skip Lenny and myself, and a little old man. I think his name was Bob. But he only came one time, never came back. I don't, I still wondered what happened to that little old man. I don't know if he's here tonight or not. But, but anyway, but that was the beginning. And every week, a few people more and more came. More and more people came, and as, as Skip said, in about probably about a three-month period, that that clubhouse was packed. I mean, it may be sat 75 comfortably, but there's probably 150 people just crammed in there. Why? Why were they crammed in there? Because Skip was teaching God's word verse by verse, chapter by chapter, going systematically through the Bible. And that was basically the foundation of the work in Albuquerque was really based upon Ephesians 4.12 to build up the body of Christ for the work of service. And that is the foundation that the church was was laid. And that's what Skip continued to do, Skip and Lindy continued to do for some 23 years in, in Albuquerque. Now, when you do that, and there was a hunger in that area, and more people started coming. So after the three or four months in my clubhouse that was outgrown. We moved to the movie theater, and that began filling up. And then we moved into a series of, of buildings. And it was a wonderful wave, Lindia, as Lindia said. It was a, a truly incredible time to see actually hundreds and thousands of people actually come to uh, to know the Lord through a variety of, of outreaches that Raul Reese would, would come out and do. Uh, outreaches through the radio. And, and radio was, I'll just mention on the radio part for a, a little bit. The radio thing was a, a tool that, that God used at that time. And, um, and, uh, we used, God used the tool of radio to help bring people into that little Bible study. And then it's interesting that from the very beginning of those stages, He continued to use that tool in that area for, my goodness, 22 years, where even a radio station was given to the church. Now, let me tell you, that does not happen today. You just don't get radio stations. 
uh, but a radio station was given, and not just a little radio station, it was a big radio station given to the church. And so the outreach of God's Word was going through God's Word, through radio, through outreaches, through several dozens of ministries. So that just kind of gives you a little snapshot. And, I'm, and I think what tonight we'll probably do is, is to kind of give you folks some insights on, on the spirits behind Skip and Lenya and their hearts. So that's kind of what I wanted to communicate with you is uh, their heart is to love God and to proclaim his word and to teach God's people. And going back to Ephesians 4.12, to build up the body of Christ for the work of service. And that's why I think we've seen so many different ministries grow from that one particular church in Albuquerque. Dozens of other Calvary chapels have grown up from there. So I'm thrilled that Skip and Lenya are here. And uh, yes, you folks will be the, the most well-fed sheep in, uh, in this side of the country, I'm convinced. God bless you. Every church has its grumpy people. And when I first met Pete, uh, before I met Pete, and I'm introducing him to you, uh, I was convinced he was one of those grumpy people. I had never met him, but I remember after a service, there was this guy sitting a few rows back uh, in the center aisle, and I turned to my assistant pastor, Mark, and I said, hey, who's the grumpy guy fourth row back? He's just got this scowl on his face, you know, not a yes face, but a no face. And every preacher knows what that is. There are yes faces and there are no faces. And this guy, I thought, was one of those guys until I met him. And I discovered he was one of the sweetest, most gentle people in the world and has since become one of our dearest friends, uh, Pete and Chris Borsch. They came from the Midwest. They were in uh, the early stages of our ministry. Uh, they are now living out in Tustin Ranch and... Uh, fellowship here with us at Ocean Hills. And we're thrilled to connect with Pete and Chris. Again, they're dear friends. And Pete last week said, Hey, Skip, you think I can come up and say a few things? He didn't really talk like that. I don't know why I imitate him that way, but I want to introduce you to Pete Borsch. Pete, come on up. Hey, this feels good, Skip. You can go back to Albuquerque. <laughs> You know why I was so grumpy? You just saw how he behaved. That's the problem. Uh, I'm going to go back a little bit to the history of when I first went to Calvary. I grew up as a Catholic, and so did Skip. And after I got saved, I got saved at a Pentecostal church. And in that church, we had visions of big nine-foot Jesuses and tongues spoken all the time and people taking special collections and everything else. So I came real weary of anything besides the Catholic Church. Even though I was saved and I knew there was more to life than just being there in a Catholic Church. So when we first moved to Albuquerque, my wife and I said, we need to find a church, or if there's a church even exists, that somebody teaches the Word and there's some good praise. And so when we came to Calvary the first time, when we're sitting there, Skip comes out and here comes this long-haired guy with a Fu Manchu, that almost scared me to death. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and I'm a doubting Thomas, okay, by nature. Matter of fact, if I was Skip, I would have never moved here to begin with and left Albuquerque. So this is how sensitive I am to the Lord. So I'm sitting there, and I'm staring at him, and I'm just waiting for this guy to make a mistake, 
Okay, and week after week, I'd go to church and I'd sit in the same spot because I was going to make sure he saw me. And and so I'd sit there week after week, and I'd just sit there and I'd go. And I knew Skip saw me because I could see him going, there he is again. <laughs> so after 20-some years of knowing Skip and Linya, I'm still waiting for Skip to make a mistake. And he, uh, I tell you, one of the things, and I'm going to spend a little time talking about Linya and Skip's character. One of the things I've learned, and I've seen them through some tough times and some good times, is that their heart is really sensitive to the Lord. Okay, and they have a unique ability to know what the Lord wants them to do. Like I mentioned earlier, I would not moved out here and taken the risk and taken my son out of high school and moving him as a junior because it's tough enough to be in high school, let alone moving your junior. I wouldn't have given up all the friendships, the people that they knew in Albuquerque, being there 23 years, establishing themselves. Uh, it, it would have been so difficult, but yet Skip and Linia are so sensitive to what God wants them to do. We're willing to give all that up and move. What a, what a, what a gesture that they made just to be able to say, you know what, Lord, we're willing to do this. The Lord asked, you know, put on my heart last week to come up here and say a few words. And I wrestled the Lord all week saying, I don't want to do it because of the fact that, uh, that's how sensitive I am to the Lord. And to make a big move like this would have been incredible. I mean, it just, it just blows me away. And one of the things about the ladies here, you've got a real treat in store uh, with Linya. Uh, and when she gets a chance and an opportunity to start the ladies' ministry, I was in the church one Tuesday, and I don't know what I was doing there. And I heard somebody speaking, and I said, boy, this sounds interesting. So I walked in, kind of sat, stood at the back of the room and had an opportunity to listen to Linya teach the ladies. And I tell you, when they say two become one, these two have become one. I mean, she, I mean, watch out, Skip. She's taken over. <laughs> I mean, it was incredible to listen to Linya and the ladies and the insights that she had into the Word of God. I mean, it was just beautiful. And I walked out literally with tears in my eyes after listening to her for about 40 minutes or whatever it was. And it just touched my heart. So I tell you, for being part of this body today, and, and my wife and I attending here, we feel so privileged to be able to be under Skip and Linia's teaching again and the way the Lord used them to watch that church grow from a small church to the size that uh, of 14,000 people. Because I remember one time when Skip and I were, I don't remember which building it was, we were setting up chairs and we were setting up like three or 400 chairs and I had turned to Skip and I said, Skip, do you think we'll ever fill this church? And Skip looked at me and he said, you know what, this is God's church. And if we don't fill it and if this ministry doesn't work out, I'll find something else to do. And I believe in God and Skip's heart that he knows that this is God's ministry here. And that's why he came. And whatever God does with it, he's open to receive it. And I hope that we as a congregation here, and I'm speaking of we because we all belong to part of this congregation, are open to receive what Skip has to offer us. Because you know what? It's going to be a ride that we'll never forget. Thanks, Skip. Yeah, I just want to add something that my wife, um, you know, people ask me, how can you do what you did? How could you leave that? Why did you come? You know, and I sometimes go, well, I, now that you ask it that way, I sort of don't know. But... Um, 
I, I will say that my wife uh, was amazing through all this. I mean, she kind of had her own church with the women's ministry. There's 1,200 ladies that, that came to just that study alone out there. And, uh, and she writes for Tyndale Publishers. She teaches and, and writes Bible study guides that have been used around the, around the world. So uh, I, I applaud the way she stood as my partner. Uh, just a, a quick word about one of the ways we discovered God was really in that work. We decided from the beginning in Albuquerque to never take an offering formally. And the way it started was in our Bible study, we had a Folgers coffee can with a little slit on top. When people said, we want to support your work, we kept saying, well, you don't need to do that. You know, we can pay for the rent of this thing. It's not that much. Maybe make some coffee next week. Bring some cookies in. But people said, no, we want to give to this. So that's when we started making the coffee can available. Well, when we moved to our first Sunday morning uh, experience, which was renting a movie theater, uh, we put the coffee can out. And somebody complained saying, you know, you've got a line forming to this coffee can. And, you know, we've got to manage it somehow. Uh, what are we going to do? And I said, get two coffee cans, put one on either side, and now you'll divide the line in half. As the lines grew longer, we decided to make four, five, six coffee cans. That was it, honestly. When we moved into our permanent building, we thought, you know, we could receive an offering. There's nothing wrong with that. Churches do it all the time. But because Albuquerque is the crossroads of two freeways, I-40 and I-25, every evangelist and his brother's dog came through there and took offerings of these people for years. So we thought, wouldn't it be great to have a ministry that has just boxes around the auditorium and we never ask people to formally give it money? Nobody could ever accuse us of doing it for the money. So for the last 22 years, still to this day, there are boxes around the auditorium, and at announcement time we say, we don't formally take an offering, but there are agape boxes through as the Lord leads, go for it. That's all we do. And the church has raised about a $10 million a year budget in doing it that way. We don't know how. We can't explain it, but it's sure fun to go, that was the Lord. And I remember somebody telling me early on when we told him about our coffee can vision, he was a pastor in town, he said, you'll never survive. You can't run a church with coffee cans or boxes. You are going to fold in a year. And he was trying to tell me how to do the envelopes and have people fill them out and, and show them. And I just thought, I'm not going to do it. 